podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Voices of the Vic, episode six, with me, Mike Duffy, and my co-host, Ben Aitzen. Uh, thank you for tuning in again. If this is your first time, this is the sixth time. We really do appreciate you tuning in and continuing to listen to us. Uh, and we really hope you do appreciate what's coming up. Now, uh, before we go into it, I just want to obviously bring my co-host, Ben Aitzen, into it. Ben, how, uh, how are you feeling and how are you feeling for the games coming up? Uh, yeah, I'm good, mate. Um... Feeling nervous um, <laughs> for Norwich and obviously Newcastle. Um, two yeah. big games in five days for us. So it's going to be actually crucial. We picked a victory up against Norwich and then made, hopefully confidence leads us into a, for this Newcastle game. We can pick up more points there. But yeah, nervous. Uh, kind of dreading it a bit as well. It's mm. Michael Broke, isn't it? Say, if we lose, we could potentially, that might be our season over and done with because I can't see the confidence getting back up to try and pick up victories against Newcastle and West Ham and then Man City and Arsenal. It's it's looking a bit bleak, but yeah, um, they're very nervous for the game um, tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah, I think you've just summed up every Watford fan's emotions in pretty much 30 seconds there, Ben. So, yeah. Um, that does your job for you, doesn't it? So, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Next. <laughs> It, uh, it's a very nerve-wracking time for us. Watford never do anything easy, and uh, nah. I think this just just sums that up. But um... it, it's dread- it, it's awful, isn't it? Because like you're looking at like match of a day and Sky Sports News, are all saying, "Oh, it's great that football's back." I'm actually hating football's back. I I, I wish it was null and voided, and we could have saved up. <laughs> Yeah. I hate it. I hate losing every week, not putting in crap performances as well. But yeah, how how can it be enjoyable? But yeah, we we stick with it. We support our team through thick and whatever. And it's just, it's tough, isn't it? It is. It is. The, the only people that will be enjoying it is the pundits that tip us to go down every year. And after the fifth year in the Premier League, this is the first time that they look like they're actually going to be spot on. So um, yeah, but it's very nerve wracking for us. And uh Unfortunately, we have to uh, start by speaking about the defeat in uh, in London at the hands of Chelsea three nil. Um, I mean, what were your thoughts going into the game? Bearing in mind that it's as you've said already, it's going to be a big week because Chelsea on Saturday, and then the the, the big big game with Norwich on, on Tuesday. Were you were you thinking anything differently going into this, or was this another game that we had to had to well try and win? I suppose. Yeah, it was, it, we wanted to try and try and sneak at least a point minimum out of the game, didn't we? But mm. I think it was all about performance at Chelsea. It was we was all hoping we put in a bit more fight. Um, we wanted to see all the players perform and us and us play as an actual team because I feel like that's been lacking since we came back from lockdown. We we performed as a team against Liverpool when we we was absolutely phenomenal that day, but since then we've, it's not really clicked and. Yeah, so I was just hoping for a bit of a performance, really, from the um, Chelsea game. Um, going into it thinking, if we if we stay organised, maybe keep it tight, try and frustrate Chelsea, let them have the ball, let them try and like, play it in the box. We'll just clear it away all day, put it into a stand. They're not going to get the ball back quickly with no fans. Um, but yeah, it didn't really turn out that way. I thought we was all right until, well, we're going to probably go through the line first anyway, so we I'll hold are... my thoughts slightly. Yeah, so... 
touching on the, the, the line-ups, and I think you're absolutely right there. I think, like we touched on in the last podcast, I think the most that we wanted out of this game was just for the lads to show a little bit of fight, just to just to sort of show us that it's not all over. I know, obviously, Twitter is a very negative place for Watford fans at the moment, and look, I've had my moans on there, Ben, I'm sure you've had your moans as well, but at the end of the day, we just want to see this Watford team fight, and I think that's what we touched on a lot last week, and that's what we really wanted. So, set your watches to, I think it was 7 o'clock on Saturday evening. Team news is out, and there's three changes from last week. So, Cathcart, Messina, and Perea are out. So, already you're sort of thinking, OK, OK, this this could be interesting. Um, in comes Cabaselli, one that you called, Ben. You, you did say you, you would swap that. Yeah. The other two, not so much. Um Adrian Mariapa coming in at right back, which means that Feminier had to switch to the left. And then Nathaniel Chalabak coming in for, well, what we thought was Chalabas coming in for Pereira. But how it turned out was Will Hughes was put out on the left, which isn't his natural position. And then Chalaba was in the middle. So just to run you through the team, Foster in goal, a back four of Feminier, who was on the left. Dawson and Cabaselli in the middle. Adrian Mariapa as right back. The left midfield was Will Hughes. Then it was Chalibur and Capu as the central defensive midfielders. And then um, Decore and, uh, was in the middle, sort of playing behind Troy and supporting him at times. And then it was Sarah out on the right with Troy up front on his own. So, like, <laughs> I've got no... Um, I, I had no words when I saw this. Like, what was you thinking? As soon as you saw that... Firstly, Hughes is out on the left. We know he doesn't play well there. Chalibur's come in from nowhere. Uh, and Adrian Mariapa's playing right back against like, Chelsea. Yeah, um, scratching my head. Um, I had to wipe my eyes as well. I was like, am I dreaming? Um, am I seeing things right? Um, I had no issue that maybe Kiko's going over to left back because we've seen that he, he's done a solid job there. And that's what yeah. Pearson started playing him at the start. Um, but I thought Mariapa was going to absolutely get teared to shreds with Pulisic. Oh. So that was a worry for me. Um, but and then Shusey, it looked, and Chalaba coming in, it looked like that Pearson wanted to flood the midfield and try and make it as possible for them to play through balls through to our defence. Mm-hmm. But you could see early on, Chelsea was just so slick with their passing and this they managed it. to get through, didn't they? Um, yeah. I, I could kind of see what he was thinking, but... Also, it was like moving Kiko over to left-back and then having two left-backs on the bench, you'd have Holobas and Messina. I'd be absolutely fuming if I was Holobas to see that they've just put a right-back to left-back and that there was still the first-choice left-back on the bench as well. So he knew he weren't coming on at all, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I must say as well, Feminia did an outstanding job at left-back. Yes, I, I thought he, he was, he was one, one of the positive. Players. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. But that Mariapa one, I was just like, you know, I love Maps and his love for the club and, you know, he's passionate. But I just thought, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, no, um, I would have rather if he was centre-back. Um, yeah, yeah. If you're going to put him on, put him centre-back. But, I mean, really, against Chelsea, you, you, he's not first choice. You wouldn't expect him to, to line up against Chelsea. So, yeah, um, I, obviously, we, we've, we've touched on our thoughts there. So, going into the match... Obviously, it's a common theme at the moment. We we started off very slowly, I think. It was very evident to see that they, we were just happy to sort of sit back and maybe try and hit Chelsea on the counter. 
Um, Chelsea was like a training game from the first minute to till I'd say the the last sort of fifteen minutes, which we'll touch upon in a little bit. But um, it was evident that it was attack against defence. It was literally like a training game. I know people have likened these restart games to training matches anyway, because you know with no crowd and if you watch it without the sound noise. But this literally was like they just rocked up and says. Fancy just taking part in a little training exercise because <laughs> we just weren't at the races. And the, again, we were we were playing long balls and whatnot. And okay, it wasn't as regular, so that's a little bit more of a positive. But just the way that Chelsea were passing us, like we had thirty percent possession, thirty percent possession. I think the last time we had that, we we beat Liverpool, but we we didn't really care because we'd just beaten the champions to be. But 30% possession, Chelsea had 70 and we just looked like we were happy to just sit back and try and hit them on the counter maybe. Did you get that sort of feel from the game as well, early doors? or? Yeah, absolutely. It looked like we were just going to sit tight, try and soak up all the pressure and then try and hit him on the break with um, Saar. I think we tried it a couple of times playing the ball out to Saar, but it wasn't really working for him. So then we actually tried to go down the left-hand side and Husey and Kiko was actually getting a bit more joy that side. So it looked like we could have maybe got something out of it. Um, there was a few crosses into the box, but did, nothing really came of it. Um, but it, yeah, it looked like it was just a, a defence against attack, wasn't it? Really, um, yeah. Pretty much an exhibition match. Pretty much, like it, it was. It was a hard watch. He, he sort of knew that we weren't obviously going to go there and just give it, like you know, throw the kitchen sink at it because. Yeah, we, the, we know we're not going to go whatnot. try and play Chelsea off a part. They're a quality yeah. side. And to be frank, we haven't got the players to compete with them man-to-man, um, -man, have we? No. So uh, we went there with our tactics. We tried to keep it tight with the bat. We tried to frustrate Chelsea, hit them on the counter. It just didn't work. It didn't. And, you know, usually, as you've said, he tried to flood the midfield. And with seeing the midfield that we put out, you know, Kapu was playing and Chalabar and we saw Chalabar, I think he started the last game we played at Stamford Bridge as well uh, and he did alright from what I remember but Kapu again I don't think he was at the races he, he was a he was a walking red card at one stage you know he, whether it's the match lack of match fitness he's played too many minutes I don't know but again he looks poor yeah, I think the first 20 um, odd so minutes until the drinks breaks, mm. I couldn't have fought Watford and I thought we was, we was um, tracking every run. We was, we was um, pretty tight on every single player. Chelsea weren't really craving out any chances. It's, once that drink, drinks break came in, the same thing happened against Southampton as well in the first half. They seemed to go back after the drinks break and switch off and lose that little bit of pace and Within minutes, Giroud stuck it in the back of the net. I, I don't like this whole drinks break. I understand it if it is 30 plus degrees, but it's not at the moment. It's, it's embarrassing that they're taking drinks at eight o'clock on a Saturday night when it's probably about 19 degrees. Oh no, let's stop for a drinks break. It completely unsettles the Watford team. And I don't know why, but it, it, it's happened twice now, two yeah. weeks in a row. Yeah, it's not just us. You know, you watch other games and I was watching a game yesterday. We're recording this on um, Monday the 6th, by the way, ladies and gents. So I was watching um, a game yesterday and I think they put up a stat of goals. Uh, no, possession stats, I think it was. I think it was a Burnley game. Of They look better after a drinks break than they do before it. 
And, uh, you know, we saw that when we played Burnley. They, they come alive a lot more. But I think, what, the drink spikes 26 minutes into the first half, I think, from Something memory. Like uh, Giroud scored 28 minutes. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it was just... You knew it was going to happen. You know, nobody was expecting to rock up to Chelsea and win. But when that first goal went in, you just thought, right, you know, it's just a, it's a case of keeping the score down now. Let's not get absolutely battered. Um, so Giroud scored. We 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 seemed like, OK, we, we're not going to push at him anymore. Um, the balls up to Deeney just weren't working. He didn't look at the races. A, a, a few other players didn't. Uh, Kapu obviously gets himself booked, so you don't want him flying into challenges like he does usually. Uh, he was very lucky, I think, to um, to still be on the pitch, but he brought down. I think he brought down Pulisic, was it? And may I just say, Pulisic that day, that game, and since the restart, I don't know what he's been eating, but my God, <laughs> he looks incredible. Um, you know, I thought he was probably their best player in the match, Pulisic was. Just yeah. running in the channels, finding those spaces of pockets, uh, pockets of spaces, rather. Um, and, you know, he, he won the penalty fair and square. There, there'll be no arguments. But what a stupid, first of all, what a stupid thing to do, running in at full pelt like that. He tried to pull away, but when you're running at that pace and yeah. at that angle, you, you're never going to pull out. And secondly, it was right before half-time. You know, if we'd have gone into the break at 1-0, who knows what might have happened. You know, we've seen since the restart that we come out the second half a much better a much better side. So something must be happening at half-time that sort of kicks us into gear. So who knows what could have happened it was if it was just 1-0. But I think that absolutely killed the game then, as soon as that penalty went in. Yeah, the moment the ref, ref blew his whistle, you could mm. see in his face and the other players as well. Yeah. What a clumsy challenge from Kapu. I yeah. can understand that he wants to get back and he's showing that he wants to win the ball back. But to be coming in gun-ho like that mm. and you've got someone like Pulisic, who I'm not going to say he, he saw what was coming, but he, he he's clever, isn't he? He's going to turn yeah, yeah. into that um, like all attacking players are going to. And he he did well to win the penalty. Um, but Kapu, there was, I think there's two other players in a Watford shirt who was closer to Pulisic's. Just, just stand up. Yeah, you, you yeah. don't, you don't charge in like that or go to ground in a penalty box. And it's these are the things you get taught as a, as a youngster. Um, so, well, maybe they teach them differently in France. But um, <laughs> it, it's silly challenge, and to go in two 0 down at half time, oh, that was tough. It was. I think it knocks a wind out your sails. You know, like I say, if you go into the break one nil against Chelsea, something can be said. Something can be like, right, okay, we're not completely out of this. Let's go. Let's keep pushing. You know, if we want to soak up pressure and try and hit them on the counter, I think it would have been inevitable that another goal would have been coming if we did that. But yeah. we might have just the shackles might have been off a little bit. We might have just been. A yeah, bit we more... might have just rode the storm out yeah, until half time. Exactly. Exactly, but I thought whatever was coming into a box, we was clearing it quite well. I thought Cabasilli yeah. and uh, Dawson was getting their heads on pretty much everything and just launching a ball upfield. We was then um, resetting and getting the defence organised again. I thought we was doing all right with that, but and just to give a silly penalty away like that is ridiculous. It, it sums up how we are as a team at the moment. I think. Yeah, it, you can it, see how low the confidence is as well. Yeah. Yeah, massively. I think he was trying too hard, wasn't he, Kapoor, at that point? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think maybe he knows that he's not been at his best recently and maybe wants to try a little bit too hard, as you say. And, you know, you you do see the players' frustration as well. I think 
that's the first time I've seen Foster react ang- angrily after they scored the first goal. Um, he, he was not happy at all. So something's going on, I think, more than meets the eye. You know, whether something's going on behind the scenes or whatnot, I don't know. But I think something bad has happened. Um, I, I hate to think what, but just something doesn't feel right within this team. I think uh, Jacob Coulshaw actually mentioned on Twitter today, as I was reading, um, I think that was the first time we had a pre-kickoff huddle as well. Yes. Since the restart. Right. Which Watford are known for doing. You know, it's it's part and parcel. So, whether that's sl- uh, little signs that things are hopefully pulling together a little bit more, but I, I think do think it was there's a whole case more... of a... a... The distance and what's going on, and the protocols, and that. So, I think maybe there was a bit yeah, I'm in an iron about whether we should do it, but I think they was thinking, sod it, we need, we need to get um, get us all together, we need to have a pre match huddle, we need to show the fans that we're all in this still and we're still fighting for every single point. That's yeah. what I thought it felt like on Saturday, yeah. Th- yeah, they all the intentions were good, yeah, yeah. And then again, similar story, we come out the second half, we start the second half five, ten minutes, maybe not ten minutes, but certainly five, first five, we, we looked good, passing it around and whatnot, uh, and then he, he went back to Chelsea exhibition passing match, how many passes can we string together before Watford get near the ball, and it, it, they were just passing us to death, and you know, a large majority of that match, that second half, I was sat there and I was thinking, right, okay, let's take the 2-0. Let's sit back. I don't care if we don't attack. 2-0, not great, uh, but you know, compared to other goal differences, you'll take it. I think come the end of that day, we were... Come come the 3-0 at the final whistle, we had a goal difference better by one than Aston Villa, who was sitting directly beneath us. um, Because obviously Bournemouth had their goal difference took quite a bit of a hammering at Old Trafford. So I sort of thought, okay, let's take little positives out of this 2-0, we'll do that. But towards the end, the last sort of 10, 15 minutes, and listen, I anyone that's listens to this podcast and anyone that knows me personally will know that Troy Deeney is by far my favourite player at Watford. Whether it's the Birmingham <laughs> connection, I don't know, but he is by far my favourite Watford player. But I hate to say it, but it was so evident when Troy come off for Danny Welbeck, we looked a much better side. You know, I I, I don't know what it was. Is it a fact of the um, Troy's just not cut it at this level anymore? Um, you know, we made the substitution. What um, Welbeck come on fifty eight minutes in, and cleverly actually come on for Troy sixty four minutes in. So. First of all, the substitutions were a lot sooner, which I think was better. Yeah, I thought the subs were positive. Kapu came off and Welbeck came on. I thought, all right, mm. we're, we're going attacking. This is good. We've not yeah, seen yeah. this for a while. Um, so, yeah, substitutions were great. Um, yeah. And then seeing um, Cleverly come on from dealing the year, was like, okay, we're going to play Welbeck through the middle. And yeah. it started paying off, didn't it? Um, it's so Welbeck, good. Welbeck was, uh, Welbeck was a threat. Um, he was showing a great uh, show of pace. It was trickery to get past one of the, the centre-backs as well. Um and they'd crossed it, and actually, um, Chusey couldn't turn it goalward. But it was, yeah. it was, it, we haven't seen that from a Watford striker for ages to we just haven't. get in from behind. He also had a one on one. His movement off the ball was brilliant. It was like, oh, this is what it's like to actually play a striker that's a bit more mobile. Yeah. Do you think that's what it is? Do you think, obviously, Troy's always been that sort of bigger player that 
you lump it up to and you know he probably won't thank me for saying that but that is what he's cut out that is the sort mold of striker he is yeah he does the dirty work he'll go up and try him in the headers whereas Welbeck's completely the opposite he he'll find those spaces he'll run at defenders he's got the trickery he's got the pace if he needs to be like do you think that it is literally a case of we need a player that's more mobile as opposed to just playing that one striker up top who is really built just to do the dirty work. Do you, do you think yeah. that's all it is? Or Yeah, no, definitely. I think in the Premier League, you need you need someone with a bit of pace up front. And unfortunately, Troy doesn't um, have that. I think Troy would be great up front if he had a partner. Um, and we've, we've not played to his strengths, I don't think by having a partner for Troy because look at the partnerships down the line we've had we've had um, he's worked well with Igalo and Fidger and Forestieri in the championship these are all people with a bit of pace and they, they, yeah. they offer something completely different to Troy and um, so I feel like Troy's kind of been hung up to dry a little bit by the fans they've all gone in hard on him um, Troy's an absolute legend to the football club yeah. and it's just maybe time for him to maybe look elsewhere or for the club to look elsewhere or just find someone who to play up top with him? Yeah, I, like I say, I think you if you're going to play him, you play him as a partnership. It's very evident now that playing Troy up on his own, it, it's not going to work, no. especially with the absence of Gerard Delefeu. Yeah. I think that has been so, so evident. And look, there, there was times last season that I'd be watching us and Delafeu can be very frustrating at times and but my God, we're missing him. And it's it's never been so evident. Yeah, no. Um, um he, he is frustrating to watch. Um I don't think some fans like his the way he shrugs around the pitch sometimes after he's lost the ball. Yeah. He doesn't really trap back or anything, but he can create something out of nothing, and that's what we're missing at the moment. He can, he can put the ball in the back of the net. Um, not many players can do that at the moment. We have to rely on own goals at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and last minute, what it would seem like a fluky last minute overhead kick now, because yeah. we haven't really looked like other than Southampton. Well, even against Southampton, we haven't really looked like scoring. And it's you, you mentioned that huge chance, which oh, I could have sworn that was a corner. I, it I, was, yeah. Lost the sheet got there just before him and put it out the corner. You could, hear, you could hear Shoesy shouting at the ref zone. Ref, you, yeah. you, are you serious? It's, yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable. But we, we created chances and it, it was you know it was looking like we might sneak a goal. And again, yeah. 2-1 with what? It would have been 10, 15 minutes ago. You just never know. It would have been, again, undeserved, like we said against Southampton last week. And it, it, it's almost similar pattern. We were knocking at the door at 2-0 down against Southampton. We were really pushing. If we got a goal, who knows? But... Unfortunately, it wasn't to be, and Ross Barkley pops up in the last minute and and sort of puts not that it needed it, but puts the final nail in the coffin, and it was good night, you know, good night Vienna from there. It was three 0 and Ross Barkley, yeah, three 0 and minus twenty three. Aston Villa were minus twenty four goal difference, and Bournemouth were minus twenty seven. Two uh, 0 I think, would have been. Uh, Better score on for us, obviously. That, that sort of goes without saying. But I think three 0 was more likely and looking like that as well. I didn't. Um, I didn't think we deserved to lose three 0 at Chelsea. I thought the second half was much better, and the way I we was pushing so. on as well, it, it was a much better second half performance. And I hope we take that into the Notch game because if we do, we could cause some problems. But the moment that went in, I thought, oh, I hope we can bounce back from this uh, Tuesday night now because that that could be it. that's. It's going to take the stuffing out of us. Absolutely. Well, talking of Tuesday night, no better place to start than now. Obviously, if you don't know, it's 
I would say the biggest Watford game that we've had probably in the Premier League since we returned. Because other than that Mazzari season, which we didn't really look like going down at any stage, weirdly, because we were playing awfully at times. But other than that, I can't think of a, a more important Premier League game that we've had to play. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it is definitely the most important Premier League game yeah. we've got. Um and to think at the start of the season, um, when we was going to Carrow Road, we was calling that the, the massive game yeah, as well because yeah. we, we was bottom of the league. We was quite adrift from everyone else, weren't we? And hadn't won, hadn't, hadn't won, and that was our first win of the season at Carrow Road. So it was. This is our second massive game of the season, and it's <laughs> against um, Norwich again. Um, yeah, it's funny how things turn out. Um, but yeah, it it, it's absolutely huge. We have got two big games in five days. Hopefully, we can get a win against Norwich and it will build for momentum at the weekend. But well, this, this is absolutely massive. We lose this, could be the final now in a coffin for our Premier League status because I can't see us motivating ourselves to try and get anything out of the other games. I think yeah. it's, we're low on confidence as it is. If we lose to Norwich, oh my God, we, I think we're down. Yeah, well, I, I was looking Would at... you take a point against Norwich? No. We can't take a point anymore. Nah, we, we, exactly. We've sat on this podcast the last couple of weeks. In fact, since it started, uh, before that first game back against Leicester, and I ask you all the time, would you take a point against such and such? And we go, OK, we can maybe stretch to a point. It's got to that point now. We're, yeah, we've gone past that stage now. We, we can't. We cannot take points, especially against Norwich. And listen, we're in no position to be sitting here and sort of, not slagging off, but, you know, Talking about other teams like they we 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 have to beat them and whatnot. But Norwich haven't won in the last six games. Uh, I, I get that we haven't as well. But Norwich's confidence. Um, Daniel Farker did a press conference today, and um, I was on the train, and I was reading bits and pieces from it as well. And Adam Leventhal from the Athletic has also mentioned as well. Um, he he put the link out. But I just want to read something which. We'll link into what I'm going to ask you in a minute. They had a press conference, and by the sounds of it, Daniel Fark was basically saying that they're now building for next season in the Championship. There's seven points adrift from us. Now, albeit if they win, it's going to be four points. Uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. But they pretty much know that next season now is going to be Championship football, which makes it even more important that we bloody beat them. McLean has rolled his ankle, so is doubt. Alex Tetty has also done something to his knee, but Fark is hoping to have the pair available. Um, the big one for us, I think, Ben, is that Todd Campwell is definitely out after complaining of a hamstring issue. Scans don't look bad, and he may make West Ham on Saturday, but definitely what, not Watford tomorrow. How not that we should be looking at team news like that to inspire us to beat bottom of the league Norwich City but how big a blow do you think that is for Norwich and how big do you think that makes it even more for Watford even though it was already massive that we were going to beat them it is a massive blow for Norwich but we, we did this a few weeks back we were saying about all the out of contract players at Burnley yeah, all the injury Jesus. players all the yeah. strikers being out and what yeah, happened we went on to lose um, but yeah Todd, uh, Todd Cantwell being out um, he's, scored, he's played 33 Premier League games and scored 6 goals take that out of your size it's going to be very evident um, that you're lacking the quality. 
it's not a bad first season for him either. He's a very no, young no. player, so I'm, I'm I'm glad that he's um, missing from the starting lineup. But this is absolutely vital that we pick up something against Norwich. They've still got Pookie. I, I know I noticed he didn't start at the weekend, but he came yeah. off the bench. Let's not um, talk about his stats because you know what will happen. But let's yeah. just say Pookie. Uh, yeah, I, do you know what I'm going to say? Because we, oh, we have to win. You've regardless. done it now, ain't you? No, no, no. I'm not going <laughs> to. All I'm going to say is he he's not been doing his job as of late. That's as much as I'm going to say. I think you can work out the restlessness. Um, so hopefully that doesn't completely jinx it. But um, I want to ask. So obviously we saw those three changes against Chelsea. What line? What changes do you make to the lineup from Chelsea against Norwich? Um, and do you make any change to the formation as well? Um, I've I've not changed the formation. No. So I've kept the same formation, but I've changed the players around. Um, so I've done I've done Foster in goal. Messina's mm-hmm. coming back in at left back. Um, Dawson Cabaselli in the middle, and Kiko back to right back. Uh, I'm going to do Capu and Chalaba in the middle. Um, I've, I've, and okay. then I'm, I'm then I'm doing Decore through the middle. Yeah, shoes. I'm going to stick to the left because I thought he, uh, was, he he did a good game at the weekend, and I thought he was a threat from the left hand side as well. And if we need players who are actually going to fight at the moment, Shoesy is definitely one of those players. It's a shame we haven't got more Will Hughes in our squad because he's a top professional. And when yeah. things aren't going too well, he's the kind of people you need to pull the club through thick and fast. Um, and Saar on the right, and then Danny Welbeck through the middle. Uh, no Troy Deeney in my starting eleven. He's on the bench though, right? We're not we're not completely hanging him out to draw him. No, he, him he, he's just on the bench. Yeah. Um, I, okay. I actually think he could do a job coming off the bench last 30 minutes. I think okay. he could come on and bully defenders and yeah, maybe yeah. if we need it, stick two up top, Welbeck and Dean. Yeah, yeah. yeah, who knows? That's a very interesting. Now, you know, usually we speak before we re- start recording and I've sort of got a rough idea, but I just completely asked you, went in sort of blinds there and I didn't expect the the back four. I'm in total agreement with you. Obviously, Foster in goal, uh, bringing back Messina left back, Dawson and Cabaselli. They did as well as they could against a, a very strong Chelsea side, and uh, having Kiko Femenia at right back. Completely agree. I didn't expect you to keep Chalaber in. I really did not see that no. coming. I I just think that yeah, Chalaber's okay, and he, this might be the type of game for him to really blossom. But I just think Hughes, as well as he did, and as well as he's been doing for the club, I just think he's much better in the middle. And yeah, against no, I, a team like Norwich, he can cut out those sort of passes. Um, you know, Norwich, they are going to make mistakes like we do, and they are going to lose the ball through the middle. And whether that plays to our advantage with the Corey pushing up high and uh, Welbeck as well, you know, that's given it away, who I think should start up top. But that's the only change that I would make. I would put out on the left... And I know we keep saying this. I personally, I would start Jao Pedro and put him out left. But I actually think if it's an actual case of picking what I think the lineup would be, I think we'll actually see a return to the starting eleven for uh, Roberto Pereira. I don't agree with it, but I just think that Pearson maybe thinks that this is a type of game. And look, against the defence as shaky as Norwich is, I think Pereira on his day. He can sort. He has. He does possess the sort of skills to unlock against those sort of defenses, and maybe will sort of cause problems. But I think that we'll see Hughes drop back into the middle, and then Pereira out on the left. 
ideally, I would want Pedro to start on the left, but then the core in the middle, Sarah out on the right. We need to involve him a lot more because I don't think he's been at it since we've got back and I don't think that's totally his fault. I don't think we've utilised him as much as we wanted yeah. to. Uh, and then Danny Welbeck up top. Uh, you know, I, I, I love Troy and he's been a, a fantastic servant and whatnot and I just don't think that it's so evident from the last sort of 10-15 minutes against Chelsea that he, um, he, he, he maybe needs to sit this one out. And like you've said, you know, if it's a case of, if say we are 2-0 up, 2 hopefully two, three, they'll come the last sort of 10, 15 minutes, bring Troy on and let him sort of go in, go up for headers against these defenders, sort of bully him a bit. And if he can nick a goal as well, you, you just never know. But how big, and again, I can't stress this enough that it is against bottom of the league, Norwich, and I don't want to throw too much disrespect on the name, but uh, from what I understand, their fan base pretty much knows that they're down. How big is this if we were to win, do you think this would be going into what I can only describe as season-defining games coming up? Like Newcastle at home on Saturday. Thank God we're at home. Uh, I just want to say about that. And then West Ham away. Like, do you think that this could kickstart? I say kickstart. We've only got, what, five games left after this or four games left after this? But how big a win, how big would a win be going into these last few games? I'm going to throw it out there. If we win yeah. against Norwich, I think we'll stay up. Okay, that's very interesting that you say that. Do you say that because you think that we'll have the confidence and play more freely in the next games? Or do you think that because of the run-ins that the teams below us have? Um, both, really. I think both, it, it's, yeah. going, it's going to improve our confidence um, going into the other games. <sighs> And also, if the other teams are pretty poor as well, I think mm-hmm. Villa are putting in a bit of fight down there. They look better defensively, um, yeah, but I, I can't really see them. We're one point in front of um, Aston Villa already, aren't we? We I are. Can't, I, I can't see them getting two wins out of their last two games to kind of overtake us. I think we one win, possibly get a draw at West Ham. Even a draw against Newcastle might be enough to st- stay up. Well, it's funny you say that. You, you can't see... Um, I assume it goes for Bournemouth as well. You can't see them getting a win. But just to run you through the last um, five games it is for Villa and Bournemouth. So Villa have got... They play on Thursday night. They're at home against Manchester United who seem to have hit form at the right time. You know, they're pushing for a top four finish at this rate. Um, so Villa have got Manu at home, Crystal Palace at home, Everton away. Arsenal at home, then they finish the season against West Ham. My God, that could be an interesting game. And then on the other flip side, Bournemouth. Uh, Bournemouth fans, close your ears. Tottenham at home on Thursday night. Leicester at home. Man City away. Southampton away. Uh, Southampton at home, sorry. And then Everton away. Like We look at those fixtures and on paper, I, I can't see, I can't see Bournemouth picking up any more points possibly against Leicester, and that's a real small possibly. And then Aston Villa, possibly against Crystal Palace. I think Bournemouth might pick up a few points. I think they're kind of playing really? teams. Yeah, I think okay. so. Um, they look to right going forward against Manchester United. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just if they can sort out their defence. They're, they're playing Leicester, who... Um, they're not doing great. I know they picked up a victory every Saturday, um, but yep. they've not been great since they came back. They got. Did you say they got Everton still? I don't they think have, Everton yeah. are really 
Everton aren't really playing for much um, apart from maybe a European spot. Um, so I think some teams might be and, and like Villa. Villa have got Palace, did you say? Palace, yeah. Palace is the one that I'm sort of looking at and I'm thinking... Palace ain't got anything to play for. Palace don't really like Watford. They might like <laughs> let <laughs> a Villa win. <laughs> too much into that, hopefully, Ben. Well, I have had some thoughts lately. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah we all... Yeah, yeah, no, I, I sort of see where you're coming from. I just think that, you know, especially with Everton, as, as much as it pains me because of the sort of non-rivalry that's sort of going on, I, still something doesn't sit right with Everton with, with me. But um, I just think that Carlo Ancelotti, like, he, he the, the fact they've got Carlo Ancelotti as a manager, I think that in itself sort of says you'd think he'd have better tactics at the moment than Villa and, and, and Bournemouth. But Villa certainly give us a fright last night against Liverpool, I thought at one stage, Villa might actually go on and maybe draw or even win. Um, but Also, we are playing first before everyone else. Yeah, we're we're yeah, playing tomorrow night. On, tomorrow night at six o'clock, we've got Norwich. Yeah. And then you've got West Ham are playing on Wednesday night against Burnley. Yeah. Bournemouth are playing Thursday. Villa are playing Thursday. So if we pick up a victory as well, it, could, it might work in our favour and... They might not be up for it anymore. Their heads might drop. They might think, "Oh God, we're actually four points beyond Watford now. This is going to be tough." Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that. Uh, like I've mentioned in a couple of other podcasts, you know, obviously being from Birmingham, I've got a lot of mates that are Villa season ticket holders, and I was speaking to one in particular today, and he seemed to think that if if we win, and he's not the only one, but if we beat Norwich on Tuesday, he, as a Aston Villa fan, thinks that that is it. And it's interesting the fact that. Considering after this game, we've still got four games left. The other fans, I don't know how Bournemouth are thinking, but Villa fans, from what I've gauged at the moment, seem to think that one win for the team that's only a point above them will sort of define the season and sort of write off the season for them. When, personally, I I think that we we need two. Uh, But I do think that if we do beat Norwich on uh, tomorrow... I think that possibly that gives us a little bit more freedom going into the West Ham and Newcastle games. I think ideally we need to win at least one of them. So ideally, I think from these next three games, we need seven points. So we need to beat two of them and draw one. It's but a big ask, isn't it? It is a big ask. But looking at the other fixtures, I, I, I don't want to jinx anything, but I think we could possibly get away with Four, uh, five points from the next three games. So a win against Norwich. The, the imperative thing is we have to win tomorrow. Yes. I cannot stress that enough. We have to win tomorrow. And then maybe we can play a bit more freely against Newcastle and West Ham. And if we can pick up a point against either of them, five points, you just never know. I, I, I personally don't see the others catching up. But realistic, really, I think we need seven points from the next three games because the last two are write-offs. I don't think it's going to be a great watch tomorrow either. I think you're going to see two teams scrappy. fight. Yeah, it's going to be scrappy. Both teams yeah. fighting for their lives. Um, I think if we win, um, we'll, there'll be a bit more attractive football maybe against Newcastle at the weekend. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a dog's fight um, tomorrow night. But do you not just and I would, be... I would take a 1-0 dirty win against Norwich. I was just going to say that before we wrap it up. Do you think that you you think it's going to be a scrappy game, and by all means, I think that it is. Obviously, it's not going to be our classico sort of level of football, guys. <laughs> but do you not think that those sort of wins can sometimes breed confidence that 
sort of more confidence than if you was to go out and completely play somebody off the park. You, yeah, no, definitely. I, I think they would. I think I think confidence is a massive thing in football. Oh. If you if you haven't got football uh, confidence, you, you're rock bottom. You can't yeah. see when the next victory is coming. If you can get that one win, you start believing and you think, oh, okay, then that weren't too bad. We actually we played all right. That that turned out well. Um, let's go into the next game. Do exactly the same. They're going to be buzzing. They might even try more things. You, like confidence is also like Saul might try and take on more players or there might yeah, be. Yeah. People like actually getting shots on target because they've got a bit more confidence. It, it, it's funny how things work, and also yeah. you haven't got the crowd on people's back either. So it, you haven't. But on the flip side of that, a game against Norwich, I can tell you now, if the crowd were there, that would be a sellout tomorrow night, one hundred percent. But on the other flip side, I also if I was think, there tomorrow, I'd be in walkabout, but well, walkabout yeah. by about twelve o'clock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I also think that perhaps if the fans were there, we might have picked up a little bit more, a few more points as well. I think we certainly would have beaten Leicester uh, if the if the crowd were there, but that's uh, another conversation for another day. But yeah, I think that's as much as we can touch on the Chelsea game and the Norwich game. Score I don't prediction. think... Score prediction. Oh, okay. You've, you've you know, put me on the spot there. Um, I'm going to go... Oh, God, I hate this because I don't want to jinx anything. <laughs> do you want me to go first? In fact, no. Do you know what, Ben? I'm, I'm going to be confident from here on in now. 2-0. Not only are we going to win, it'll be a clean sheet. It's going to be scrappy. And I think Danny Welbeck scores and Will Hughes scores. Will Hughes has been phenomenal since he started. And I think he's going to get his rewards by scoring tomorrow night. So 2-0, Danny Welbeck and Will Hughes. Ben? I was actually thinking 2 0 Watford as well. Um, and <laughs> no, I you think. Can still go for it. <laughs> and I think a, a clean sheet will give the defence so much confidence oh, as well. And God, I think. You wouldn't believe. Yeah, and Foster will absolutely love that, especially after yeah. the errors he had last time out at yeah, Vicarage Road. Um, yeah. So, yeah, 2 0. I'm going Danny Welbeck as well. And I'm yeah. going Saw. Saw? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I th- that, that's it for, for this episode. Also, also we, if we oh, get a penalty, okay. if we get a penalty, because Troy's yeah. not on the pitch, who would you put as a uh, penalty taker? Oh, are we? Is this at nil nil? You're asking me this, or is this um, once we're already two nil up? Because two nil up, Foster, come on, <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, no, good question. Penalty takers, I think. Who would usually? Ooh, that do you know what? It's a, it's a last... tough one, isn't it? The last player that I can remember, the last penalty that we had when Troy wasn't on the pitch was the 2-2 against Arsenal. And Pereira stepped up and took it. Yeah, De La Feu's also t- scored a penalty this season yeah, for us as well. Yeah, playing though. Yeah. That's, that's, I know, this is tough. Think, do you know what? Oh, man. Give it to Welbeck. Give yeah. it to Welbeck if, if we get one. Yeah, I, I would either give it to Welbeck or Hughes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, Hughes. I can, I can see where you're going with that. With that. Yeah, but, no, that's yeah, a very or, interesting question. Or if Andre Gray was on the pitch, I'd give no, it to Andre Gray. No, he wouldn't. No, Andre <laughs> Gray's not going anywhere near that pitch tomorrow. <laughs> the closest he's getting is to hand his pass back into the staff at Vicarage Road. I'm sorry, but <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm being a bit harsh there, but I, I, I don't think Gray deserves to start tomorrow. Uh, he's certainly not my first penalty choice taker. So, uh, yeah, that was a little bit harsh upon reflection. But... Well, did you get into your under-23 squad? <laughs> well, what, to cut the grass? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, 
I can see where you're going with Andre Gray, but I just think, especially if it's nil-nil, if he does play for whatever reason, if, if Pearson, you know, unveils another blinder of a team selection, one that we don't see coming and Andre Gray does somehow play tomorrow, I don't think his confidence is where he is to be taking a penalty at nil-nil. If it, if we go 2-0 up, let's say, for example, yeah. and we get a penalty, then I'd give it to Andre Gray if he's on the pitch. Because if he misses it, then... You know, it's not too much of a big deal. You turn it up, but if he scores, it does his confidence a world of good. But that is a very good question, and in fact, it's that good a question. When you guys listen to this, I want you to let us know at Voices of the Vic on Twitter or Instagram. Drop us a message: who you think our penalty taker should be if we get one, and Troy's not playing. So, Ben, that's a superb question, and we'll put that to our listeners as well. You're welcome. But um, yeah, <laughs> no, you can come up with them more often. Tell you. <laughs> Make my job a lot easier. You was just wrapping up as well. I felt bad. I, I know. Yeah, I was wrapping up. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't, 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 uh, don't apologise. It's, uh, it's good to get these questions out. But uh, all right, what yeah. else are you having for dinner tonight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any, any other questions? Yeah? Any other burning desires you want to know? Blood type, height, weight, BMI. Um, <laughs> joking. Um, yeah. No. Uh, unless Ben wants to uh, ask any more questions, I think we'll wrap it up there, ladies. Yeah, I think I'm done. Yeah, um, we, we've we've kept it under an hour, which is uh, what we like to see. We we we, we do apologise whenever it goes over an hour, so that's mainly my fault. Although you can blame them for uh, any overgoings this week. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think literally, I, I'm hoping that when we because we're going to record straight after the game tomorrow, ladies and gents. So hopefully tomorrow is the cheeriest podcast we've ever recorded since we started. Uh, albeit that was only a couple of games ago against Leicester, but I'm hoping that our first podcast pre pre podcast recording um, is going to end up with us coming off the back of a win against Norwich, and things will look a lot happier, uh, and we can breathe a little bit more because going into Saturday, my God, it's going to be you know if we if we don't win, it's going to be one hell of a bumpy ride. But yeah, fingers crossed, we get that win tomorrow. And things start to look a little bit better. Uh, and then Thursday, we don't need to be as bothered about what teams pick up. So, yeah, we uh, we thank you again for listening, ladies and gents. Like I said at the start, whether it's the first time, whether it's the sixth time, if you're somewhere in between, thanks for listening to us. Don't forget to tell your mates as well. And, uh, yeah, hopefully when we speak to you next, which will be you, it will be available to download for you guys on Wednesday at 7 a.m., uh, hopefully, we will be talking about a victory for Watford and the first since February. So, yeah, thanks very much, ladies and gents. And we'll hopefully see you on the other side after the back of three points. Thank you very much for tuning in. Good night. Podcast Network.